the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. There's much bad advice that's going around about how to have a good and effective ministry. I face it all the time in my ministry where everybody, not everybody, but many people seem to know how I should do this or do that or or become experts in how people should run their ministries. There's a lot of poor advice. There's a lot of good advice. You want to get the inspired advice. And more than advice, you want to get the inspired word. Just for the fun of it, I did a search on Amazon for leadership books. It found over 80,000 matches just at Amazon. I wonder how many books about leadership actually exist today. But if we want to be godly leaders and good servants of the Lord, the best book is the one the Lord himself wrote. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying from 1 Timothy chapter 4 about the marks of a good servant. When Paul wrote this letter, Timothy was at an age considered young even in the first century. So Paul had some advice for him on how to conduct his ministry in a way that would command respect, even from his elders. It's good advice for all of us. Let's listen. Now, youth is a, is a relative term. When you say young, it, it varies from culture to culture and from subculture. For instance, 40 is young to be a president. When John Kennedy was running for the presidency, everybody focused on that, how young he was. But if you're a baseball player and you're about 40, you are old. Not for the presidency, but to be a ball player, you are. In the Greek culture, Timothy was young. Because in the Greek culture, you were considered young up to 40 years of age. In fact, early church literature said that a man wasn't to become a bishop until he was over 50. Why? And I quote, he will be past youthful disorders. Isn't that encouraging, young men and women? Did I hear an amen from that? Past youthful disorders, whatever that may mean. So Timothy was in the eyes of the church, and especially the elders that he was sent to deal with and correct as an apostolic representative, he was considered young, and he was considered immature. In their eyes, he was just a kid, maybe a big kid, but he was just a kid. And they weren't about to respond to him and what he had to say, at least some of them, at least enough of them that it's a problem. And what do you do in that situation? How do you get someone to stop despising your youthfulness? Well, I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't start bragging about your credentials, what school you went to, how many degrees you have, how you know the Apostle Paul, why you're just like this with Paul. In fact, he sent you here. That's not what Timothy's told to do. He doesn't tell them he's an apostolic representative. And you don't start pushing people around to try to assert your authority. You don't do that because you don't gain their respect. You might gain fear from them, but that's not the same thing as respect. And you don't tell them you were ordained. And I have all the uh, signatures to prove it. You know what? That's unimportant. In fact, that means relatively little. Or you've gone to the best Bible school in the country and you've got a degree from it. 
and you know so-and-so, and you've done this, and you've written this article, and you've written this book, and you... None of these things will gain the respect of anybody. Not really. Listen, to carry on an effective ministry as a good servant, you have to model the truth for people. They think you're immature, so you live in a way that proves that you're not immature. That's what he's saying. You have to set an example. You have to live such an exemplary life that it will gain the respect of your critics. If you want to have a ministry that has any kind of effectiveness, you must set an example. What is the word example? Very interesting. In the Greek language, it is the Greek word tupas. Now, that doesn't mean a toupee. That's not where, what we get the word to pay from, but we do get the word typewriter from tupas. It means to strike a blow. That's what a typewriter does, right? It strikes a blow so as to leave an impression. Now, the thought here is that you see an impression on a piece of paper, and you ought to be able to trace over it like a pattern. It's a model. People ought to see the model of a good minister and be able to trace their lives over his. That's what he's saying. A good minister is a pattern that every believer can trace over and follow. He's an impression that's made. He's he's in the right image. He's the right pattern. He's the right model. This is so important. Let me just read these scriptures to you because the word of God is what carries authority, not my comments on it. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, Be imitators of me just as I am also of Christ. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. Chapter 4, verse 9. The things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. Titus, chapter 2, verse 7. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine and dignified. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1. Verse 6, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined manner amongst you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship we kept working night and day so that we might not be a burden to any of you not because we do not have the right to this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you that you might follow our example. First Peter chapter 5, verse 3, Peter tells the elders, set an example. Don't lord it over the flock, but be an example. Now Paul is going to outline for us five areas of our lives in which we are to set an example. We'll not go into this at much length, just want to touch upon it. Number one, the first area he says in 1 Timothy 4, 12, You are to be an example in speech, the way you talk, your conversation. The Bible has so much to say about what we say and how we conduct our conversation. But the key to exemplary speech, when you boil it all down, is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But I think the real key is honesty and wholesomeness. In the ministry, being a servant, you must be honest and you must be wholesome in your conversation. We learn this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. If there's one thing that we cannot tolerate in the ministry, and that's someone who is double-tongued. That is, he says one thing to one person, another thing to another. Eventually, he'll get caught. Eventually, it'll catch up to him. Eventually, the carpet will be pulled out from, from under him. He may get 
by for a while, but the Bible demands honesty and integrity in what you have to say. There's a lot of things that can be tolerated in the ministry, but not a lack of integrity. He says in Ephesians 4.29, a verse that means so much to me, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. What a strong statement. What a powerful statement. A good minister not only has to be honest, but he has to speak words that lift people up, not tear them down. We live in a world of negativism, criticism. Give a person opportunity and he will most likely be negative and, and critical. And in fact, one of the marks of being young and immature is put-downs, being negative. You listen to young people and you see that to try the, the mark of a young person often is insecurity. And to build themselves up, they put others down. Ephesians 4, 29 says, don't do that. Don't let any, any word that's unwholesome means rotten proceed out of your mouth. But when you speak, speak words that build up, encourage people, say good things. It is a mark of immaturity to put people down. I'll never forget the time at Moody Bible Institute when, um, when I was with a, a friend who was a youth pastor, not a youth pastor, a pastor, a student pastor, very mature, and he heard me put someone down. He took me aside and he said, Steve, if you want to be mature, don't do that. That's really a mark of immaturity. And I was so pricked in my conscience, so convicted why was I doing that? Because that made me feel good about myself. I can just put other people down. We do that in jokes, but it's unwholesome. Don't say things at the expense of others. Ephesians 5.4 also speaks about our, our conversation. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. This isn't to say that we can't have fun. It isn't to say that you can't have a good sense of humor or joke around. But Paul is talking about... Uh, Jesting that is obscene, jokes that are dirty, suggestive speech, off-colored speech, things that we ought not to allow proceed from us. I hear men who claim to be in the ministry speaking like this, I am totally turned off. I, I, I don't care what they have to say after that. They have no credibility with me. Nothing. It's the opposite of purity. God wants no believer to talk like this, and especially ministers who set the pattern for others to follow. He said, Timothy, be an example for others of the believer. Let your people know how a real believer behaves. How? Let them see it in you. The second area of, uh, of example is conduct. It will say in the authorized version, it will say conversation. It is not really conversation. That is an old archaic word that translated today would, would be lifestyle or behavior. Your lifestyle. You know, the lifestyle of ministers have come under great scrutiny these days. And well, it, it should. Well, it should. A good minister is obedient to the word of God that he preaches. And he's talking about his general lifestyle here. The, the whole thing in general. If he preaches something, and he doesn't even come close to, to living it out. And no one's perfect. In fact, I learned a long time ago that I preach a better message than I can live. Because the Bible is the word of God. It's perfect. And I'm not. But there still must be a, a struggle and a yearning and a discipline to live out these things. You can't just give up and say, well, I'll never be perfect, so why bother? No, that is a, a hypocrite, one who preaches one thing and never attempts to live it out. In Titus 1.16, Paul says that, that there are some who profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him. They deny him. 
There are people who, who claim one thing and don't live another, and they live another thing. And really, the thing that people struggle with about ministers is not so much what they say. It's that they fail to live out what they say. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. You are ordering people to live a certain way. Now you live that way too. What areas? Well, all areas, but especially, I would think, the area of money. These are the areas that, that uh, young people especially struggle in. Money, dealing with other people, making sure that your temper doesn't flare up. Family life, how he speaks to his wife, how he conducts himself at home, his consistency at home. Is he one thing while he's teaching people and then another thing at home? This is the kind of thing. Does he, does he live the way that he tells others to live. And the issue, really, the issue is not, is not how much money he has or how much money he doesn't have, but his attitude with money. Does he want to be rich? That's far more important than how much he has. You can be very poor and want to be rich, and it's just as wrong. That's the key issue, conduct, love. That's a third area that's a, that a minister, a good servant, whether he's in the pastorate or whether he teaches a Sunday school class or whether he's discipling others or whatever. A good minister shows love. What is love? Well, it's certainly not an emotion, but it means he lays down his life for the brethren. That, that's really what it means when you want to boil it down. He's not self-centered, but he's always promoting the welfare of others. That's the way Paul was. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 5 through 9, you want to know how to conduct your ministry? This is it. 1 Thessalonians 2, 5 through 9. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. Now, religious hucksters were doing that in the ancient world, and they're doing that today in the modern world. But Paul says, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted our authority. We didn't seek your glory. We didn't seek the glory of men. But we proved to be gentle amongst you. How gentle? Well, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. That's pretty gentle. Having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. Now that is the way a good minister conducts his his ministry. That's the way he shows love. It's not that he just preaches to people and gives them the truth. He gives them his life. He lays down his life for the brethren, which could take on all kinds of applications. I think the test of a man's ministry is his motivation. Is he in it to get something out of the people, or is he in it to give to the people? And that's an issue of the heart. There are many men in it to gain fame and and money and all kinds of popularity and all kinds of things. But Jesus said in John chapter 10 that a true shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, right? What does a hireling do? Remember, a hireling gets paid for what he does, and when his life is in, when the sheep's life is in danger, he splits because he doesn't want any kind of sacrifice for them. Just give him a paycheck, and he's satisfied. That's a hireling. That's a hired hand. In John fifteen thirteen, Jesus said that a greater love can no man have than a man lay down his life for his friends. That's really what it's all about: laying down your life. That's what 1 Peter 5, 2 says. Don't do it for, for greed, but lay down your life. You see, what is the evidence of immaturity? Self-centeredness. Most immature people are, are young people. Little babies are the most immature people in the world. They are. Everything is centered around self. Part of growing up is to focus on other people, not yourself. 
mark of immaturity, which Timothy was to avoid, is to be getting something out of these people. He was to give his life to them, not be self-centered. One of the things I have noticed about Christians, it's not true only of Christians, but we expect more from Christians, it's certainly true of everybody, but Christians should be above this, is that we want everyone to be interested in our own affairs. Have you noticed that? Someone comes up to you and says, um, how's everything going? And you go, well, and they, want to, and they go on for a half hour and tell you how their life is. Now, maybe they had a need for that at that moment. We need to be sensitive to that. But I have found that very few people really are interested in others. They're interested in themselves. So they talk about themselves. We're not good listeners. I struggle with the same thing. All of this that I'm telling you. But we are to let people talk about themselves because we are to know about them so we can serve them better. We are to be interested in them. We are not to be self-centered, and that's love. There is a fourth area we are to model, and that's faith. Faith. Now, in the Greek language, there's an indication that Paul is not so much talking about how we trust God. And that's true, that a leader, a minister, is to trust God and set an example. But the indication in the Greek language is not so much his faith, but his faithfulness, his trustworthiness, his reliability. Very important. Timothy, you are to persevere in spite of difficulties. You are to be one people can count on. That's one mark of a good minister. People can count on you. One of the marks of an immature person is you can't, their word cannot be counted upon. They tell you one thing and they don't follow through, and when that reputation gets out, nobody listens. They are to be reliable. They are to be faithful. It's required of stewards of one thing, that a man be found what? Faithful. Not just faithful to God, but there is a faithfulness there that means when you say something, you will carry through in it. You have proven the test of time. You, have, you are reliable. You can be trusted. People will come to you, and they will seek your counsel because you can be trusted. And the final area that Paul said you are to model is purity. Purity. And purity. He's speaking here, of course, about sexual purity. 1 Timothy 5.2 says this. Well, let's start at verse 1. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, Timothy, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers. Well, then how do you treat the older women? How do you treat the younger women? Verse 2, the older women as mothers and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Timothy, above all things, make sure you're pure with the young women. Make sure there's a relationship of purity. You're not fooling around with anybody else. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, Paul will say, flee youthful lusts. Sin of youth, of course, it's a sin of any age, but the sin especially of youth is sexual immorality. And Paul says, flee it. Decide beforehand that you will flee this. Because if you decide, if you have to decide when you're tempted, you will not flee. A major problem today, and I don't need to tell you this, if you listen to television, you read the newspapers, or you, you get any kind of Christian magazine, you know that a major problem in ministry today is sexual purity. Things are coming out now where people are admitting to having affairs that you never guessed these people had them. A good minister has to have not only purity in his life, but pure intentions. That's why when Paul said that uh, one of the requirements for an elder is that he must be a one-woman uh, man, it has nothing to do with his marital status. It has to do with his commitment to the one that he has married. It means he's not interested in anybody else. He's not a flirt. He doesn't have impure intentions. Obviously, a mark of immaturity is to not be like this. So this is what every believer is to be. 
And that's what Paul says. Well, everything that I just said tonight is what every believer is to be. It's just that it has to be modeled by a leader. In fact, by many leaders, not just one. If you're to be a good minister, then you must speak with authority. Never forget that. Speak with authority, biblical authority. You are not the authority. Your opinions are not the authority. It is the word of God, but also set an example to others by living out the truths that you so authoritatively command others to obey. Now, these are very, very important. You need to take these things to heart. You need to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Believe me, as I said before in, in weeks past, there are many, um, there's much bad advice that's going around about how to have a good and effective ministry. I face it all the time in my ministry where everybody, not everybody, but many people seem to know how I should do this or do that or, or become experts in how people should run their ministries. There's a lot of poor advice. There's a lot of good advice. You want to get the inspired advice. And more than advice, you want to get the inspired word. Paul didn't deal with externals here. He dealt with internals. You follow these and you will have an effective ministry and you leave the results to the Lord. You concentrate on the things that you can concentrate on and you let the Lord deal with what he's responsible to deal with. Let's bow for prayer. Father, these things are so practical, so relevant. Lord, we have a lot of young men, young women in this church perhaps more so than most churches in this county, who are really committed to obedience, committed to service, committed to ministry. Father, we pray that these things might hit home, might be put into practice. I think of Dawson Trotman, who asked for wisdom beyond his youthfulness, and that's what I ask, not only for myself, but the scores of young men and women who want to minister properly. That you would help us to be models of these five areas. We might say the things that are right, speak with edifying, truthful words, that we might have lifestyles that back up what the word of God has to say to us, that love might be evidence and that we lay our lives down for those we minister to. Trustworthiness, Lord. Help us to be people that can be depended upon. And don't just fly off and say one thing and then do something else. Father, help us to be men and women of purity. Purity. Father, we pray that we might be good ministers because this is to be a model for everyone to follow. And we pray that we understand that the church of Jesus Christ is too precious to fool around with. It's too important to accept mediocrity. Father, we pray you'll help each one of us to be discerning with the advice that others give us. We might take heed to the things that are sound and biblical and we might discard with love those things that are not true to the word of God. So, Father, help us to be not only servants, but noble and excellent servants. For we pray this in the most noble and excellent name there is, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All Christ followers should bear the title Servant of the Most High God. That is a high calling, isn't it? Shouldn't we be noble and excellent in our service for him? Hey, thanks for listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're looking for a place to worship, you'll find Lakeside at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. For service times and other information, call the office at 727-441-1714 or go online to lakesidechapel.com. 
That number is also the one to call if you'd like to have a free audio CD with the entire message Pastor Steve just concluded. Call 727-441-1714 and ask for message 6133, Marks of a Good Servant, Part 3. You can also download today's broadcast or any previous one by going to the message archive page at versebyverseradio.org. There's no charge for these downloads, but if you would like to help with airtime and other expenses, there is a secure way to do so through the giving page at versebyverseradio.org. We thank you for your gifts and for your prayers. This is Jerry Peterson. Steve Saint quoted one of the members of the Ecuadorian Indian tribe that killed his father, Nate Saint, back in the 50s. She was witnessing to an unsaved American student when she said, Badly, badly we lived back then. Now, walking God's trail, which he has marked for us on paper, the Bible, of course, we live well. All people still die, but if living you follow God's trail, then dying will lead you to heaven. But only one trail leads there. All other trails lead to where God will never be after death. Hmm, I guess that would make the Bible pretty important, right? Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will start to show us how vital the Bible is for the good servant of God. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.